0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message.
1: A really good
0: friend of mine. Can
1: you remember the days when there were church potlucks? Anybody remember those days? All you old duffers? Yeah, sure. Back in the day, I had a good friend who would always be the last in line And then he would stand up and say, everybody had all you want. Let's just say you want to get to the taco line before I do. How's that? We're going to have some fun together. And um, oh, my goodness, we have so many things to do this morning. So um, we're going to do an emphasis. I want to do a pastoral prayer, which I actually blew through last Sunday. So this is a two for one deal. Are you ready? So let's pray. God. As a church, we sit in front of you with some really important requests. And God, we pray for the high school students in our county. We pray for the, high, the leaders of the high schools in our county in the aftermath of what took place up at Montgomery High School and a couple things that have taken place on campuses elsewhere, including right here in Petaluma and right now. It's really hard for students and staff to actually feel safe. And that's a shame. And we're asking for your intervention. We're asking that you would give the leaders some really divine insight in how to work with students on our campuses and how to safeguard the students as they come to learn and get prepared for life. And God, we pray for the family of the student up in Santa Rosa who was killed as they try to deal with just the, the disappointment and the grief and the shock and all that's, that's there for them. Would you be near to them? And God, we pray for the family of, uh, of the student who wielded the knife. His life will be forever changed and not for good. We pray against the bullying that's happening on campuses around our country and literally around the world. And it's a reminder to us that our world and everyone in it is really broken. Good people, but broken. So, God, we ask for your intervention. We also pray today for Pengrove Community Church and for Petaluma Christian Church. These are churches that we love dearly. There are people there that we love dearly, and uh, they are are sitting in front of you this morning, and their desire is to get to know you better, and would you work in those churches so that the people who go there could actually encounter you? And uh, God, would you bless us in this service? Would you help us to have our hearts wide open so that we could encounter you, and so you could teach us anything you want. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, if you've been around our church even for 10 minutes, you have figured out that what we do in Mexico is really important. And it really is. So, we're going to take a few moments this morning before I teach. And uh, we have, in our impact ministry, we have nine partner causes and one of them is taking new life to Mexico, and our champion, the member of our church, who really champions that cause, is Jim Thornton. so would you please welcome to the stage with me Jim Thornton.) You can come and stand right here. There you go. It's life. All right.
0: So, you just got back from Mexico. Yes, I'm barely recovered, but uh, yes, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at your
1: age and mine, that could be a week or two, you know. So, just just say it. It's
0: proving out, yes. Yeah, okay.
1: So, tell us a little bit about what you did in Mexico a week or so ago.
0: Well, this was a little different than our June trip, but uh, we went to... um, We've talked about the family, the Hernandez family, with Pastor Luis, who's building this church. Uh, last year, we went and helped build a concrete foundation. And in our since then, they have erected concrete walls and poured a concrete uh, roof so that a second story, the pastor's quarters, will be built on top of it. So our trip was to go and build this residence on top of the uh, building that's already there.
1: Awesome. And I know we have some pictures of that. So we're going to do a dangerous thing. We're going to show slides and pretend that people are listening to you and me because they're actually going
0: to be looking (laughs) at the slides. Exactly. So how many guys went with you? We had 11 people, uh, two from Reno, whose church donated a large portion of the money to extend this part of the build, And uh, so 11 guys, all of our gear and suitcases in a 15-passenger van was quite the adventure unto itself. Oh, so, my. Yeah, it, it was a long ride.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to ask any questions about that. Um, so I know that we are getting ready to take a trip, several of us, from our church down to Mexico in June, the week before Father's Day. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and what all will the people on that trip be doing?
0: Okay, you'll you'll get a visual. This is our current build, but the one we do in June, you'll see on the loop tape out, out by the booth there. And we go there to build a home, and it's it's a 20 by 20 lot. And uh, in three days, we literally put erect this home with uh, rooms, uh, things that these people that we are lifting literally off the dirt and the the shacks they can currently live in into a home that has warmth and uh doors and windows and locks and things uh we've had good i think we've mentioned dorothy's rest which is a rescue center for women and uh Whoa, time out yeah just 200. Oh yes is, that's kind of really important isn't that it? was a really important part of the project because about toward the end of the week uh this is all we had without the toilet seat. So our gift was a toilet seat uh, to accommodate the ladies and the guys for uh, a nasty situation. Let's just say that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, back. That was, that was it. So what we do, we, we, we are, um, the last few years, we've been able to go, go down and build homes for women with children that were part of Dorothy's REST program. They've now graduated. They can get a house of their own. So what's Dorothy's Rest? All right. Dorothy's Rest is a rescue center for women who've been abused. And uh, Dorothy, that's a whole story unto itself, and she's a wonderful human being to get to meet. And uh, she's a kind of a person you just don't say no to. So literally within the 10 years that we've been going, or I've been going, uh, it gets better for her. She now has a five-acre plot of land. She has a restaurant built, a bakery, uh, safe spots for the kids. It's an enclosed facility that um, that protects the women right in there, because often the men, the abusers, are banging on the gate, say, let me in. I want my woman. And uh, she has provided a very safe place. So that unto itself, so a truly amazing ministry, and something that we've been able to help over the years. Yeah,
1: and the the restaurant and the bakery and there are several other things. She uses the women to teach them life yes. skills, so that when they get, when, when we go down and build a house for them and they get to move out, they actually have a life skill that they can support their family.
0: Right, indeed, they're taught life skills. Uh, Baking, uh, running a restaurant, uh, sewing—there's so right. much need of that. And previous years, people come and one one team taught them how to make sausages. So now they make sausages and pepper jellies and all the stuff that wow. aloft in these women have never been taught to read or write. So that's part of the part of the training.
1: That's awesome. So we're going to be taking a trip in June, and it's my understanding that if people want to go, they they can sign up this week or next week, right? Yep. And about how much money does it cost to go on that trip? Like if I wanted
0: to go, what would it cost? Me? Okay. How it breaks down is it's about $400 uh, to sign up. We'll ask a $200 deposit to ensure your place on the list. It's a roughly, the airfare is separate. We fly into San Diego and then hop on vans from there down to where our site is. Uh, so it's roughly in the $600 range all said and done uh, okay. to go down there and help support the bill.
1: Wow, so for $600 you get airfare, mm-hmm. transportation, meals for a week, mm-hmm. and you get to do something with your life that makes a difference. Indeed. What a what a great investment. Don't you right. think that's a great yeah. investment? That
0: is awesome. Yeah. And I one one big thing that's always on my heart cuz I like building. I've always been involved somewhat. But it's the building of relationships is truly what we bring. And to Be out of your comfort zone and um, can't speak the language, can't read signs. Love is the language. And when you see these great, this is Pastor Luis and his family. Um, Now we've known he was the first house build I went on 11 years ago. And look what he's done and become. And just because we went down and put some love on him, he's now not just his family, but his community. And I don't know if the picture showed an outlook of where he's at, but uh, it's been an amazing transformation.
1: It has been. I'm I'm not going to tell stories out of school, but I do want you to know this. When we built the home for Luis and Irma, and they didn't really have very much family back in the day, no. uh, Luis was fresh out of a Texas prison. Um, can never go back into the United States again. Uh, but But he found Jesus in prison. And shortly after we built the house, he came to us and said, God is calling me to be a pastor. And uh, we began to partner with him and La Puerta del Cielo, which is the name of the church, which means the gateway to heaven, um, is a result of that. There is a a center for kids that are too poor to go to public school called Every Kid's Hope. Um, So there's a church and there's there's a center and it just reminds me of something we believe to our core. And I'm going to come back to it later today in the teaching. But with God, anything is possible. Oh, amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So one more thing. I know we have to raise money to build those houses. Yes. And so we eat lots of tacos on Tuesday, all right? <laughs> but all the tacos that we're going to eat on Tuesday will not build a house. So we have a fundraising program that's going to kick off in a couple of weeks. And uh, I just want everyone to come to say, I might not be able to go to Mexico and pound nails, but I can contribute and I can make sure the house gets built. Everybody on board with that? All right. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Jim will be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. You can sign up to go on the trip there. By the way, we already have 13 people signed up. We just don't know how many more are going to sign up. So we'll know in the next couple of weeks. So thank you very much, Jim. And I'll just leave this up here. All right. Now you have to listen in a hurry. Thank you. Barry gave me this and I gigged him a little bit after I told him, thank you, it's beautiful. Is this a reminder for us to get out on time? Is that the deal? So it's a clock, yes. I have about 15 minutes. So here we go. I'm going to teach you a half hour's material in 15 minutes. Let's fire up the slides and get ready to go. We are talking about the way of Jesus. And it's our tendency as human beings to try to reduce the way of Jesus to keeping a set of commands and thinking, good, I made God happy, and if I make God happy, life's going to go well for me, this is good. The God that we worship is way more complex than that. And I hope that among all the things that you learn today, that you come away with a deeper appreciation or how complex God is, and yet how beautifully simple it translates into our lives. This is the thing about the way of Jesus. Okay? Now, as we progress through this, we have some questions that we're going to ask and answer. And one of the questions is, so other than loving and enjoying us, Does God have any other purposes for his family? That's really important. I think a lot of times we think, oh yeah, (laughs) we're the center. We kind of like being in that position, right? It's all about us. Why did God create the earth and the heavens? As a home for us. Why did Jesus come? To make a church for us. Yeah, well... God does have other purposes for his church. And in order to understand this better, we need to know something about God. So if we go all the way back to the Old Testament and we begin to read a passage, we'll start to discover this thing about God. Here it is God's splendor is a tale that is told because it's written in the stars. Space itself speaks his story through the marvels of the heavens, his truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing his skill in creation's craftsmanship. Each day gushes out its message to the next, night by night, whispering its knowledge to all without a sound, without a word, without a voice being heard, yet
2: all the world can hear its echo. Everywhere its message goes out. So
1: why did God make the heavens and the earth? We have a tendency to think he made the heavens and the earth as a place for us to live. And that's true. We're his family. He created a place for us to live. But God had so much more in mind. And so he made the heavens as a canvas to display his creativity. Just cutting to the chase. It's important that we understand this principle. What God does is intended to reveal his glory. And that's where we oftentimes get a little confused because it's really easy to think, for us to think that God's glory is this
2: sort of glow that comes from him and his majesty
1: But if you do a deep dive throughout Scripture, you'll find that more often than not, God's glory is not, it's not primarily about this glow or majesty. That God's glory is actually about His
2: goodness. And His goodness is His glory. So, What God does is
1: intended to reveal His glory, that is, His nature, His power, His knowledge, His goodness, His wisdom, and His purposes. Well, that's kind of pretty cool, but that leads us to a really important question, and that is if what God does is intended to reveal these things about Him, how does He intend for this to happen through His family? the church. How is the church going to reveal the glory of God?
2: Now, please don't take this the wrong way. I love every single one of you. You know that.
1: But we, my friends, are messed up.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah. No one ever confuses any of us with Jesus. Yeah. Try as hard as we can. David said it well. Nobody's perfect. In the church, this
1: church that's intended to reveal God's glory, there are messy people. And the thing about messy people is We create messes. Have you noticed? Yeah. And sometimes
2: it's hard to get along with other people who call themselves Christians. Yeah. And so there's this great big question hanging in the air. If what God
1: does is intended to reveal His glory and His glory is His goodness, how in the world can a church filled with broken and messy people, ever reveal God's glory? Fortunately, you and I don't have to answer that. The Apostle Paul answers that question in our text for today, and it's a little longer than what we normally have. So I'm going to read through several screens, and I'm only going to comment a little bit because you're getting the short version. Everybody understand? There's so much more in this passage, but I'm going to read through it quickly. Here you go. Paul says, when I think of all this and all this is we have been saved by the grace of God, not not by works so that we could brag, but only by God's grace. It's a gift. And he saved us to do these wonderful things that he's called us to do. Paul said, now, look, when I consider all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. And then he takes a little aside here, assuming, by the way, that, you know, God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Story for another day. But most Jews would not have considered that a gift. Okay? They would have considered that a curse. He goes on to say, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. And if you don't know what that is, we talked about that a lot last week, and I would encourage you to go back and pull up the teaching from last week and watch it, because I'll get to that in a minute. Paul goes on to say, as you, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. That doesn't mean a lot to you and me, but if you pull up the teaching from last week, it will mean more to you. What Paul is actually saying is that God loves everyone equally. No one is at a disadvantage and no one
2: gets the shortcut in. The ground at the foot of the cross, is level. Everybody stands
1: equally. He goes on to say this. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news, though I am the least deserving of all God's people. Whoa, how about that? Anything's possible, right? He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Don't you like that description? It's beautiful. He goes on to to wrap this up by saying, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan. By the way, mysterious doesn't mean weird or, or, or whatever. Mysterious to the Jewish world meant... It's something that God knows, and it's impossible for you to know until he pulls the curtain back. Okay? This mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Here's what Paul is really saying. No one saw it coming, but one of God's great purposes for his family, the church, was to bring together the people from every nation every tribe, every language, every gender, every generation into one beautiful display of unity,
2: diversity, and inclusivity. That's what you want to pull up the teaching last week for. Okay?
1: Without meaning to be political or anything, I want to say this. Our government works on bringing people together in unity, diversity, and inclusivity. And I'm glad they do. And the government can make things better. But the government lacks the power to actually pull very diverse people together into unity and an inclusivity based on love for each other. And if we wait for the government to do that, it'll never happen. Okay? The leaders of education are working on that very thing.
2: And I'm glad they are. We need all the help we can get. But the leaders of education lack the
1: capacity to be able to draw very diverse people together from every language and tribe and nation and generation and gender and any other thing you want to throw in there, even sexual orientation, you throw everything in there you want. Educators lack the capacity to pull all of those diverse people together into unity and
2: an inclusivity based on love. If you forget everything else I'm telling you this morning, remember
1: this only the church, empowered by the Spirit of God Himself, has the capacity
2: to bring very diverse people together in unity based on an inclusivity that grows out of love for each other. That's a big statement, isn't it? I want you to get it.
1: Do you know why I know it's true? Because it's literally happening all over the world. When we go to Mexico... As Jim said, we don't even speak their language. We are very diverse. And yet, we throw our arms around each other and we love each other, old and young, Spanish-speaking, English-speaking, educated, uneducated, men, women. It doesn't make any difference. We are drawn together in unity based on an
2: inclusivity that grows out of our love for each other. That's the first part of the passage.
1: That's what I taught about last week. Now let's go to this week's teaching because it's short, super powerful. Here we go. Paul wraps up this statement by saying God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Whoa, stop the movie right there. Who are the unseen rulers and
2: authorities in the heavenly places? I don't know. Are you for a joke? I've never seen one. They're unseen. No wonder
1: I haven't ever seen one. They're in the heavenly places. Guess where I live? Earth. No, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who these beings are, but I know there's a whole spirit world out there. And and Paul is saying something absolutely fantastic about the church, that God uses us to display his wisdom to whoever these things are. He goes on to say, this was
2: his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. When I read this, I thought we have an emoji for this. Are you ready? Here it is.
1: (laughs) That blows my mind. (laughs) That's so hard to comprehend. Again, we like to think, that the church is all about redeeming us. We're the big deal. Thank you, Jesus. That There's room at the table for us. And that's all true. But God had such a much bigger purpose. His eternal plan. And apparently, there were some big questions
2: rumbling about in the unseen world. And we're going to look at three of them very quickly. But the church
1: is God's answer to those questions. Wow. Take a look at the screen. How could God use us as a poster child for his wisdom in all of its rich variety? Hmm. You see, creation settled once and for all, the questions that the unseen spirit world had about God's capacity to create beauty, wonder, majesty, intricacy, order, and design. (laughs) The heavens tell God's story. All the unseen rulers looked at the stars and and the moon and the sun and, and the beauty of the earth and the intricacy and the order and the design, and they went, okay, we get it. He can do anything. That's pretty amazing. He can make anything. But the powers in the unseen world had at least three more questions about God's capacity. And we, his family, would provide the answers to those questions. Are you ready for them? Question number one. Here it is. Is the goodness of God greater than the brokenness of the world? That's a big question. Man, the world is broken. You see it everywhere. And there's this tension between the goodness of God and the brokenness of evil, between Jesus, the champion of everything good, and between Satan, the champion of everything evil, and and all the unseen powers in
2: the spirit world were sitting around saying, who's going to win? And God said, I have a plan. I'm going to create the church, and the church is going to demonstrate who's going to win.
1: Wow. And so this little verse in the Bible says, where sin increased, God's
2: grace increased all the more. How much sin do you have? I don't care how big it is. God has more grace than you have sinned.
1: That's it. The goodness of God is greater than all the brokenness of mankind put
2: together. That, my friends, is crazy good. That's how good God is. If you came
1: this morning, I a good friend of mine walked through the doors back there in the lobby not too long ago, and she doesn't go to church ever. And I had invited her here for a function, and she came. And she didn't know it, but I was standing not too far from her, and I watched her put a foot in the lobby and then look. And she muttered to herself, well, it didn't fall down. (laughs) And I wanted to say to her, and hell didn't freeze over either. (laughs) You're welcome here. Yes. Because no matter what the sin is, no matter what the baggage you drag in, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you've ever done, the goodness
2: of God is greater. And the church is a billboard for that. Question number
1: two is this. Is it actually wise for God to redeem broken people? Even if he could. And even if he does, the question is, (laughs) are we really worth the effort and the sacrifice? You know, there are times when I look at our world and I think, man, God, I don't know why you didn't just put a fuse on this thing, blow it up, start all over again. We are messed up.
2: And sometimes it's really easy to think that even about the church. Is it really wise?
1: Or does this thing end up to be, anybody remember what a yugo was? Would you pay a million dollars for a yugo? You shouldn't pay 10 bucks for one. (laughs) So all of the powers of eternity are sitting there and God is saying, I am going to provide redemption for every person who walks the face of planet earth. And the powers of eternity are going, are you sure you want to do that?
2: That did not seem like a very good investment to me. And God said, yeah, I'm sure. Just look at my church and you will find out it is so worth it. This is what God writes about his people. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior
1: who saves, he takes great delight in you. Not for a minute does God ever sit back and and think to himself, what was I thinking?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: He never has that thought. He takes great delight in us. And in fact, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I want you to jump into heaven with me for just a minute. You're in the in the unseen spirit world, and there's a stir in heaven. And
2: somebody says, God's singing again. I wonder what moved him to sing. And they gather. And it's God's love for his people, the church. And he's singing over them. Like a mother or a father sings over a newborn child. Is it wise? If you look at the church, the overwhelming answer is yes. Yes. There's the third question. And the third question is this. Is the life of God greater than the death that grips His broken people? Wow.
1: So God could redeem us. So it turns out to be a wise thing, and he begins to transform us. And we actually end up becoming more and more beautiful people as he transforms us. And we draw together in this beautiful bond of unity in the midst of diversity. And we have this love that gives us this inclusivity where everyone is welcome. And there's a place at the table for everyone. And it's a beautiful,
2: beautiful thing. But if in in the end we all die and that's it, it's not that great. So heaven is saying, here's Satan, the
1: champion of death. Here's Jesus, the author of life. Who's going to win? Now, I don't want to preach the whole teaching series, but we have this great teaching series coming up around Easter. Okay, I'll tell you the title of it, okay? And the title is, It May Be Friday, But Sunday's Coming. (laughs) Got it? And on the Sunday before Easter, we're going to dig into how did Jesus find, how did he deal with the darkness in his life on the darkest day of his life, the the night that he was arrested and the morning he was crucified? How did he deal with that? And we're going to learn how to deal with the darkness in our own lives. And then on Easter, we're going to deal with the subject of how do we find light after darkness? Okay? Okay. I think it's going to be a powerful series. okay? But the deal is, here's Satan, the champion of death.
2: Here's Jesus, the champion of life. And the question is, who's going to win? Because the destiny of eternity hung in the balance. Not just for us,
1: but for all the authorities in the spirit world as well. Because eternity was determined in this contest between Satan and Jesus. And it all climaxed at the very end of Jesus' life when Satan mustered all of his forces and took all the power of death itself and he threw it at Jesus in one
2: master plan. And to everyone's amazement, he killed Jesus. the angels all looked at each other and went, what? They probably looked at God and went, now what? That's not how this was supposed to work. But friends, it's as if Jesus had
1: said to Satan, take all the death you can muster
2: and roll it all together and hit me with it and take me down and kill me because I have more life than you have death. In fact, I have so much life in me, I'm coming back. Yeah. And in the end,
1: every time in the church, we baptize someone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are reenacting the death, the burial, and the what? The resurrection of Jesus. We are a continual display that the life of God is
2: greater than the death that grips our world. So how does all this look at new life?
1: Diva Ordi Lay this out for us. We have this statement that... Oh, I want to read you a passage before I get into that. All right, here we go. This is what God said through the Apostle Paul. Listen, we will not all sleep, meaning we'll not all die. But we will all be changed. Some of us who are alive when Jesus comes again actually won't go through death. That's what he was saying. But we're all going to be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. For this perishable, have you ever doubted that your body was perishable? Go look in the mirror. <laughs> Take a snapshot and come back 10 years later, and you will realize which side of that you're on, okay? <clears throat> he goes on, this for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. And I love this statement. What is it? Death has been swallowed up in what?
2: Victory. Because the life of God is greater than the death that grips our world. Now, at New
1: Life, three statements. Statement number one. Everybody's loved. That's the number one rule in the kingdom of Jesus. No caveats. There's no exceptions. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Everyone is loved in the family of God, in the kingdom of Jesus. Number two, nobody's perfect. We all know it. This is the context in which we all live. And you know what? It's very obvious that Jesus accepted this reality about us. And if Jesus accepted this reality about us, then we can accept this reality about each
2: other, right? Yeah. And then number three, anything's possible. The God who created the heavens
1: and the earth, the God who redeems everyone, and the God who whose life is bigger than our death, anything is possible with him. Friends, this is the posture
2: from which Jesus taught and lived. And it is the posture and the culture of his church, including
1: this one. Would you join me in prayer? God, we went through this in a hurry, but it's so powerful. It's so hard for us to comprehend that you would choose us to be a poster child for anything except maybe how to make a mess. And yet, you have made us this wonderful display that your death is bigger. Your life is bigger than our death. And your goodness is greater than our sin. And in the end, It was a wonderful and wise decision, and we are so grateful. We thank you, and we bless you, and we pray it in your own beautiful name. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org.
2: Thanks for listening.